and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hey everyone! Hey Quinn! Hello Jillian, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I've seen you more than twice in the past week. I know, we had dinner two days in a row. Oh, this is, I think this is escalating too quickly. You think we're becoming too close? I think this relationship is moving too fast. Jillian and I's bedroom doors border each other. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. But she sleeps from the hours of 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. And so thus never sees another human being. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, Yeah, just working on my thesis, working on other homework, just trying to survive, basically. Trying to live in this big big bad world. Yeah. None of that was pronounced correctly, but it's fine. (laughs) I think that actually just highlights how big and bad the world is. I know. I've been working on a film. It's not my film. I'm working for another person who is making a film. Oh, is is this helping or, like, complementing your directing class, too? Yeah, I'm, like, very doing actual media studies like learning real things as opposed to just kind of making amateur videos on youtube and not knowing how to use my own camera (laughs) do you know how to use your own camera now sort of i'm working on it progress i don't i say that no i don't (laughs) i need to i know how to record things but there are definitely features that i am not using (laughs) oh dear But I want to start out this week with a little bit of good news, potentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, So currently in Australia, they are holding a vote on marriage equality. Wow. I did not know that Australia did not have marriage equality. Yeah. This actually surprises a lot of people. Um, But yeah, uh, currently homosexual marriage is illegal in Australia, which is kind of wild because you think of Australia being like progressive and all that kind of stuff but nope they don't have gay marriage um but there's a vote going on right now and nothing is guaranteed like none of this stuff is ever guaranteed but early outlooks are relatively hopeful um for how this is going to turn out and i like personally have some australian friends who would like to marry members of their own gender when they get older and so like really really hoping on a personal level this goes through Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um, yeah, so I had a, an Australian friend, like, 13, when I was 13, um, and it was just like, so what's the weirdest, I asked her, I was like, what's the weirdest question you've, like, ever gotten, like, about being from Australia? And she was so great, she had, like, such a cute accent, like, she's adorable, um, and she was like, I can't do an Australian accent, but she was like, yeah, like, someone asked me if I, like, rode kangaroos to school, and I was like, did you? And she was like, she'll be in. <laughs> I was 13. I I was very gullible. No, one of my Australian friends, when I first was talking to her this summer, um, tried to convince me they were drop bears. And I was like, joke's on you. An Australian already got me with this two weeks ago. And so I've already been fooled and I will not be fooled again. Oh, what? Drop bears. Have you ever heard of this? No. We're going way on an Australian tangent now, but that's fine. Um, uh, they're not real. Sorry to, like, all of the Australians out there who enjoy getting people with this, because you know how there's just insane animals mm-hmm. in Australia and, like, everything there can kill you? Mm-hmm. Um, so they made up this thing called a drop bear, and it's, I guess the idea is, like, it's bears that drop down from trees onto you. But it sounds like it could exist in Australia, right? Like, of all the places. Um, but no, it does not. Uh, it is just a thing that they use to scare tourists and Americans. 
And we probably deserve it, so... We definitely deserve it. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever. I think it's just weird how, as we mentioned, like, they don't have marriage equality, especially since you feel... I feel like they're pretty socially liberal on a lot of things. Yeah. Australia is sort of the classic example um, in terms of gun control and gun safety. Um, and surprise, we're transitioning to a topic, but... <laughs> We've gotten so good at our transitions. Yeah, except for we have to point it out every time. Ugh. But yeah, um, so as I'm sure most, if not all of you know, there is a, a terrible tragedy in Las Vegas um, over the weekend where um, over 50 people were killed by a gunman. Um, it, over 400 or so were injured. So obviously this is a situation where like the country is reeling, um, the area is reeling, they're looking for a lot of help. So if you're if you're looking to different ways that you can help and places you can donate, as always, there will be links in the description for that. Um, but of course, like all these things, it also brings to question the gun safety debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all times, <laughs> there's this whole back and forth between people saying we need better gun control laws versus people saying we shouldn't be talking about this right now. Like there needs to be a mourning period, um, which that that reasoning gets more and more ridiculous every time this happens and it's like well okay well what we're still like talking about sandy hook maybe um and nothing has still happened so have we mourned long enough for that yeah i feel like that's a bad argument to use because we're always mourning i feel especially especially now it just seems like we're all in a perpetual state of sadness yeah and so in the wake of this i'm like every time something like this happens a lot of people look at australia um because Australia had a massacre happen in 1996, um, and they implemented far stricter gun laws. Um, and since then, they just they haven't had anything like that. Um, gun violence has significantly decreased um, in terms of shootings, but also in terms of like accidental deaths by guns, um, people dying by suicide, but with the use of guns, things like that, um, that are like in- extremely common in the United States. So what we talk about today is like this question of like can the United States implement the same laws as Australia slash like what is the most effective method for the United States going forward? This is less a debate over like should we have gun safety laws and more a question of like we need to do something to prevent mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Like full stop, period. Like regardless of what you think that is, like something has to change, right? Because mm-hmm. we can't keep doing this. We just like mm-hmm. the number of times I've seen that stupid onion headline, it's driving me insane. But um, onion headline. Oh, it's the no way to prevent this says only nation where it regularly happens. They print that like once a year and just change out the names and dates, and it's exactly the same article and it's applicable every time. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Um, so welcome to our gun discussion. I feel like no matter what side you fall on the political spectrum, there is this belief that you, no matter what, like whether or not you think that we should have no guns or you think that everyone should have a gun it all comes down to mental health i think that's a huge aspect of it um of course nothing's ever perfect and people will get access to guns that don't have it but i think both sides um can agree that there's nothing having mental health laws concerning like the purchasing of guns is not the worst thing but then furthermore i think there are some huge differences between the united states versus the rest of the world like we were talking about quinn and i were talking about earlier about how there's a lot of differences between australia and the u.s just in terms of culture but when you think about it it is kind of like the u.s against the rest of the world 
Mm-hmm. Not in a good way, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Usually not in a good way. No. No, yeah. Um, and in terms of the mental health question, that is such a double-edged sword, though, because on one hand, like, there are people who are a danger to themselves and others and should not have access to deadly weapons. But on the other hand, like, that framing can stigmatize mentally ill people who are just, like, living their lives. And there's so much stigma against people who especially have, um, like, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. So there's a question of, like, prioritizing, like, securing um, safety, but also, like, not pushing the stigma on people who are just, like, living their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think just coming, just trying to think about other arguments for this, um, because honestly, if this went perfectly and everything went, you know, we just got rid of guns, period, like, but it all depends on how it's enforced, right? Like, there's still cracks in the system, but I'm just saying hypothetically, I think, like, my family, my family is pretty pro-gun, but they're, like, very for, you know, um, gun control laws and things like that, but I think their argument is that if anything happens, like, they just want, like, to have a gun, like, if, you know, if someone, there was an intruder or things like that, um, and they were sort of arguing from that perspective. I don't know enough about gun control and guns in general to really form a lucid opinion on this, but... I was curious about what your thoughts to to that argument that a lot of people have. Yeah, so there are kind of, like, two main things in, in terms of, like, uh, private citizen gun owning, and one is personal safety, um, and that angle of, like, I want, if an intruder comes into my house, like, I want to have a gun, and the other one is hunting. Mm-hmm. And so um, my family is not into hunting, um, but I'm from a rural area. I'm from rural Maine. Like, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of hunting. It is, like number one activity um for a lot of people that i went to high school with and like who um i grew up around and so there's also that angle um and for me personally like i have no attachment to guns they kind of freak me out um i don't really feel comfortable when people around me have guns because i know like how common it is that guns accidentally go off um that kids get access to them and hurt and kill themselves like they're just very they're very dangerous weapons um and so like they're not a part of my life and so i can't speak from the perspective of someone who is like an avid hunter and just like wants i mean i'm also a vegetarian um so we're not even going to get into that angle but you know but i i can understand like where the sport comes from or even like wanting to defend yourself comes from i think that no matter what there should be like pretty stringent guidelines to how you get a gun like i think you should have to take a gun safety course i think that you have to be certified in some way um i think that you have to keep it locked up and that like you have to make sure that kids can't get a hold of it or people who might be in danger of suicide can get a hold of it and i think that there should be certain kinds of guns that you can buy and certain kinds of guns that you just can't buy um Mm -hmm. like no one needs I, an AK-47. Like, no one needs an AK-47. No, I, I don't know the specific numbers, but, like, the kinds of guns that you can just mow down 50 people with, nobody needs those for, like, any real civilian use ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's interesting because we talked about this in my libertarian class last year, and the libertarian argument is interesting because it's just, like, yeah, like, it makes sense, like, if you reduce the number of guns, you're going to obviously reduce the number of shootings. Um, but I think their argument is more just of a slippery slope. Like, where does it stop? Um, like, 
it's just very hard to find an agreement that both parties can come to that's in between the whole that's in between the we should get rid of all guns versus we should just have gun liberty for all Mm -hmm. like it's just like where do you draw the line and that line is just very arbitrary and i think that's what causes a lot of these problems is just that at least the the political problems that we just don't know where to go on that scale yeah and that is an issue and i say (laughs) let's start by getting rid of some guns and see what happens like it's it's i don't know i don't have the answers like obviously i'm a 20 year old girl um but something like the the needle starts needs to start moving you know like i don't even care if i if like it is completely insufficient but like we need to be seeing some kind of direction like of, of getting guns out of the hands of dangerous people something Mm -hmm. like even indication that people are trying you know that like congress is actually committed to not letting something like sandy hook or las vegas happen again my whole problem is that like ideally there would be you know gun control laws and just things like that and we wouldn't have these awful things happen but it's just also a matter of like like you said getting things passed and in order to just do anything you need to have like five thousand bills and have like a bunch of people sign off and that in itself is just a disaster and a half in terms of you know efficiency and time and everything that's a value yeah it's very very not easy and Mm -hmm. it's as much as this sounds like very tinfoil hatty, like the NRA gives a whole lot of money to a lot of people in Congress. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's that's just a, a problem with politics, and it's gonna be a problem for this fight. Mm-hmm. But as, as many people have pointed out, like the the NRA, like as the gun lobby, basically has a twenty to thirty lead on the American like gun control pro public, um, in terms of organizing and goals for this and so just because we haven't made substantial progress yet in gun safety laws doesn't mean that we won't Mm -hmm. so there's that yeah that's not much of a comfort to the people who have already lost loved ones but there's hope that some people will think that like the fight is over um and i don't think that Mm -hmm. but even beyond this question of like the legality of who should get guns and how they should get guns um we also want to talk about going back to this idea of australia and like the difference Mm -hmm. even beyond laws of like australia and the united states Mm -hmm. yeah but before i um before we switch to that i just want to throw out like we were talking about this in my danish class about you know like gun control laws and how if okay so say we can't ban guns like right away like why can't we have some sort of you know process of elimination like just keep trying different things and it was just because, you know, like, we're just not efficient, but, like, also, it's just that the size of the U.S. government is so large. Like, if they want to do this in Denmark, they could, because it's, like, what, like, three, four, five million people. Um, and it's just, it's just completely different, but, like, so their government is a lot more efficient, but also, they're a lot, they're a much more homo- um, homogenous mm-hmm. population than we are. So we're, like, a melting pot, and they're, like, all Danish so it, it's just a matter of like culture and i think just culture in general is just plays an important role in everything yeah so let's talk about the culture of the united states um because 
Yeah, so, like, some things that come to mind that the United States are pretty good at, you know, violence, toxic masculinity, nationalism. Imperialism. Imperialism. Just all the isms. Uh, a lot of isms. All of the isms. Um, Sexism, racism. Uh, yeah. So all of those are bad. And, I mean, those those things, we have those things in Australia, too. Like, those are not... I'm not trying to say that Australia is, like, a utopia. Clearly, no. they don't have marriage equality. <laughs> Let's just say that. But um, that I suspect, um, from my, like, experience of the world and what I've read, is that, like, the United States is particularly to- toxic in several ways, um, including, like, this really strong sense of so-called American exceptionalism, which often manifests as, like, nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, this this perverted form of patriotism. Um, and also just, like, amazing, amazing levels of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Before... I kind of want to talk about that. But before, I just want to say, like, we literally had this thing called Manifest Destiny, where we thought we were so great that it was okay that we just colonized things. Yeah. Oh, like, that God. was a legitimate concept that people fully supported and believed in. And just, like, rolled around, like, killing people, trying to destroy cultures marginalizing entire cultures and communities we're america's doing great Uh, really (laughs) yeah were we ever thriving uh no no i mean you know native americans before christopher columbus got here were doing pretty well (laughs) but then things took a sharp downturn oh dear yeah so toxic masculinity what a great uh what a great thing to discuss so what is the exact definition of toxic masculinity? Yeah, so we've talked about this a little bit on the show before, um, I think, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a quick definition is it's basically the form of that, like, um, being a quote-unquote a man has to mean certain things, and it usually means things like um, being a fan of sports, drinking beer, being violent, not showing emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And it's fine if you are, like, a a person who is naturally very, quote-unquote, traditionally masculine. And if, like, you love beer and sports and you never cry and, like, that's just who you are as a person, that's totally fine. That's not the problem. The problem is that, like, this idea is forced on to other people who aren't naturally like that. Mm -hmm. And that when that happens, it often continues to manifest in things like domestic violence Mm -hmm. um, in the sense that, like, um, and, like, sexual assault and, like, like, men being entitled to women's bodies, um, men being entitled to the women that they're in relationships with, and, like, um, this manifesting in violence, uh, and these are all huge problems, and they are really big problems in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's just that, even when you're an adult, it's just upsetting and alarming, but having this culture, especially when you're a young kid, like, trying to figure things out, that's also not great to have this culture imposing these these beliefs or these expectations that you're supposed to fulfill and if you naturally don't fulfill them like you should not feel obligated to but i feel like we do live in this we do live in this world where like if you're different from this norm that we have we seem to have for all guys it's just bad quote unquote bad Mm -hmm. yeah it is really harmful to um men growing up especially like if they are very outside this norm um Mm -hmm. and they can't make themselves fit in it it can just be like just incredibly scarring and traumatic um 
And of course, it's harmful to like everyone around them if it causes them to to manifest things like violence and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. What does this have to do with guns, you ask? Everything! Because yeah. every time, every time there's one of these mass shootings, like, so quickly it comes out like, oh, like, this person was arrested for domestic violence. Cops came to his house because he beat his girlfriend. He was yelling at his girlfriend in public. Like, it is so, so commonly linked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's such a correlation here. Um, and... I don't want to blame, obviously, culture for everything because, like, yes, there's culture, but then there's also just, like, yes, like, being an individual and, like, be mm-hmm. having the freedom to make your own choices. But I culpability. Do, yeah, exactly. But I do think that culture, especially when you're young, can have such a negative impact that will be indelible, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, it's just, like, how do we go about fixing? Because I feel like changes in culture can't be forced because I just... I just don't think that's I think everything is more gradual like I think we should have like I think movements and like getting it out there is super important but I don't know how this how fast something can change especially since this has literally been a part of American culture since you know the United States as a country was formed Mm -hmm. yeah and and this is like incredibly gendered that we're talking about because um most shootings are are perpetrated by men Mm -hmm. um that is just like a statistical fact not all but like most Mm -hmm. um enough to that's what the conversation is and yeah and so and of course like everyone who commits crimes like these like are personally responsible for them and personally responsible for their own choices but yeah there are that the way they arrived at those choices is definitely influenced by culture Mm -hmm. um but do i have a movement for you it's called feminism it's trying to fix stuff (laughs) so that's our discussion for the day regarding guns and culture um and definitely all our thoughts and prayers are with those who have family in las vegas or even in las vegas um so we will definitely include notes and links in the show notes Mm -hmm. to help out this is absolutely an ongoing conversation and it is a long journey ahead yes but we'll get there hopefully And because we want to just cover another topic that is completely non-controversial, everyone definitely agrees on it, let's talk about abortion. Oh, yes. Yeah, abortion is always a topic that loves to be brought up at the dinner table, just for its lack of controversy, as she said sarcastically. Mm -hmm. Um, There are two major stories um, mm -hmm. in the news this week about it. One uh, is that... The House in the United States um, has actually passed a bill to ban abortions nationwide that happened past 20 weeks pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is that there is actually currently a big movement in Ireland where abortion is currently illegal in Ireland. And there is currently a very big push to change that and to um, allow for abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mixed feelings is going international with this. Um of course, Ireland is a very Catholic country, and so that's definitely why it's, again, part of the culture, right? Um, and how it is affecting abortion laws. But but yeah, we've talked about abortion on the show before. Um, we both explained that we are pro-choice mm-hmm. um, to varying degrees and definitions of what that means. Um, but this is... Let's talk about the United States first, because um, this is like a very specific question of like a, the, a ban of abortion after 20 weeks, which is about mm-hmm. four months mm-hmm. um, of pregnancy. And before we talk about this, this has been passed in the House, which is very alarming, but it has 
Not sure if it's going to be passed in the Senate. It's unlikely to be passed in the Senate. It would need 60 votes there. Um, so, I mean, nothing is impossible, <laughs> clearly. Right. Um, but it is unlikely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, pass in the House, because the House hates me. It's fine. By me, I mean people with uteruses. <laughs> yes. So, you know, half the population. It's fine. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this, though. Like, what what do you feel about the 20-week ban? So... Originally, I sort of got what it was coming from because it was like, oh, like, we should avoid, like, late-term abortions, and that just makes sense. And I was like, okay, like, yes, I don't, like, I don't think there needs to be another bill passed regarding it, but, like, I'm not entirely opposed, I guess. But then, obviously, like, this was just me overlooking all the nuances that comes with, you know, the reason slash the background behind needing a bill like this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the basic reasoning behind this bill um, is this argument that um, fetuses can feel pain after 20 weeks, and so it's inhumane um, to have an abortion after that point. But this is untrue. That's the thing, is, like, like if the science was there to back this up, then I, then I would have to concede, like, yeah, like, maybe that should be the point in which you can no longer have an abortion except for extremely, like, extreme conditions. Um, mm-hmm, like but harm it's, to the it, mother. Yeah, but, like, it's literally not. Like, the, the science, the studies that this is based on are, are have been proved to be bad science. Um, there have been many studies that have supported evidence that um, it's much later um, in the pregnancy that, that fetuses can actually feel pain. Um, and so this, this 20-week ban is, like, a completely arbitrary number that politicians have just chosen. Yeah. I um, This is just a question, clarification. So when is... Like, when is the science-appropriate definition for when a fetus becomes a baby? Is that just actual birth? I am actually not 100% sure. I think it's generally the third trimester um, because Mm -hmm. that's, like, because you have premature babies that are born and can survive. Um, Some of them can't survive without the help of medical intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, So with medical intervention of, like, in modern medicine, of course, it gets, like, more complicated. Um... But generally, like, the third trimester, which is around 27 weeks, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, that's when, like, you have virtually no abortions. Mm -hmm. Um, The abortions basically only happen in the third trimester when there's a severe medical defect. Usually it would be um, some kind of uh, medical anomaly that causes mutations incompatible with life. Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure that's a strict scientific definition of, like, quote-unquote life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is generally the marker um, for when, like, abortions wouldn't be performed um, under almost any circumstances. One of the big issues is that, like, very conservative states will try to pass laws to prevent abortions from happening, but in just very roundabout ways. So they'll, like, close down clinics. So it's like, oh, well, you can have this clinic here to have abortions, but, like, you need to make the hallways, like, this number of feet wide and it's just like oh we don't have the money to do that and like oh well guess you have to shut down and so it's just like these very like awful ways that you know laws super super conservative laws are being passed just based on like building logistics yeah there are all sorts of insidious ways to get um abortion centers to be shut down especially if your name is planned parenthood God, Republicans just really hate Planned Parenthood. Um, 
which provides an incredible number of reproductive health services to people across the country, and only 3% of their services are abortion, and none of it is publicly funded. (sighs) That is the literal problem. It's just like Planned Parenthood has such a negative connotation because it's just like, oh, yeah, that's where people get abortion. Oh, my God. It does so much more than that, people. Yeah. Also, (sighs) abortion is for public health. Spread the word. I'm very pro-Planned Parenthood. So am I. I give the money every month. <laughs> I'm coming from a Republican, conservative, Catholic family, and yet I, <laughs> you too can be like me. <laughs> <laughs> you too can support Planned Parenthood, <laughs> who does so much good in the world. Agreed. But anyway, yeah, so this is this is a serious issue, and like, reproductive justice is just a continual fight um, to try to maintain public health for people, like, especially in rural areas, low-income people who just, like, don't have access to um, abortion facilities. It is, like, the people who are out there fighting the good fight just, like, deserve all of the credit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's weird to think about, like, this question and then looking at Ireland, where it is just, it is, Ireland is one of the strictest abortion laws in the developed world. Um, And seen for the way that now activists there are, like, pushing for reproductive justice and being able to, like, make decisions about their own health and their own bodies. Um, And there's not much that, like, we can do here as Americans, but I just want to do, like, a beautiful shout-out to the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Woo, go Ireland. Yeah, I'm just all for, like, all of these um, so-called first-world countries who are, like, pushing for greater equality um, whether it be for abortion laws or for marriage equality, just, like, you go. You can do this. We mm-hmm. can all do this together. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully. So, coming from this talk about, you know, abortion and Planned Parenthood, let's talk a little bit more about families and the birth order of children in said families. Yeah, this is a weird, like almost pseudoscience like psychological topic Mm -hmm. of how the birth order affects the personality and dynamics of families Mm -hmm. um and it's just interesting i think and and it's very much it feels almost kind of like zodiac signy or like the whole like myers-briggs situation first of all i love myers-briggs second of all i am an aquarius and third (laughs) and third i play the game like what are you an only child or like what order of the like where do you fall in birth order like i always play that game when i meet people yeah i say that but like i also identify very strongly with my zodiac sign and my marriage raise which is fine i understand it's not like real science it's just fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone i love taking the quizzes that's just like this is what happens if you are a blank blank is if you're myers brig is this this and this it's just funny oh yeah there is you can spend hours. It's so I fun. did. <laughs> we did. Remember? Yeah, we we sat in a circle one time and just looked up Zodiac signs and Myers-Briggs signs and read articles about ourselves. We were like, oh my god, check out how accurate this horoscope was from six months ago. <laughs> I still love my horoscope. Anyway, so related to that birth order science, um, yeah, my mom is, this is a really touchy topic for my mom because apparently one time when we were really little, this woman, um, I think from my mom's church, was talking to her. And basically, like, was like, I know exactly what your kids' personalities are going to be. Because she had three kids. And the, my little sister was, like, just born, maybe. Um, and my mom was like, uh, maybe not. And then she was like, no, no, no. I took a psychology class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And so my mom got really mad about it. And she tells, she tells, still tells the story about this woman who thought that she knew our personalities. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Um, do you think I was an old, uh, the oldest? I have literally never thought about this with any person. Well, um, because I have a, I don't know. I've been told that like when people find out the, find out that I'm the oldest, they're like not surprised. I feel like I'm not surprised. Yeah. And I feel like I'm also not surprised. So, like, our other roommate, Azra, is, like, a the younger sister. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that doesn't surprise me either. No. So, it's, like, it is very much like a Zodiac sign in that Oh, way. my God. It is. So, so it is. is. <laughs> but, like, it's just funny because our other roommate... We have a lot of roommates. We have a lot of roommates. Um, our other roommate, Teresa, is not... Is an only child. But, like, I don't think she... I don't think she... She doesn't have the quality... Okay. This is my thing about only children. I either really, really like people who are only children, or I just, like, hate them. Like, there's no in-between for me. And this is just based on, like, who I've met in my lifetime, right? So this is just, like, completely from experience. But it's just, like, oh, I'm dating someone who's an only child. But then it's just, like, oh, my God, there's this girl who ruined my life in, like, high school who was an only child. So, yeah, very mixed feelings about that. My two best friends from high school are both only children. Really? Mm -hmm. But they're very different. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I was actually talking to one of my really good friends, Will, and he's an only child, and he said that the best compliment he ever gets is when people, like, find out he's an only child and are shocked. I think there's definitely some stereotypes associated with only children that they're, like, socially inept. Mm-hmm. Or really very spoiled. selfish and yeah. spoiled. Yeah. That hasn't been my experience with people I know. That's been my experience with, like, half the people that I've met. So not statistically significant at all. Mm, no. <laughs> because um, we're you know we're doing hard and fast statistics here oh yeah I'm running mini regressions all all the time um i do want to look at some stuff in this uh elite daily article that we came across oh yes. you know science science <laughs> um but just interesting because this is there's always the stereotypical stuff about birth order but then this applied it to like supposedly your um relationship with your mother so for you as the oldest child you have a strong sense of confidence and you internalize your mother's desire to see you succeed you make a great leader and you're given this chance to take on the role in their developmental years but you may have trouble letting go of parental expectations and you let it mold and shape your life i'm literally writing a thesis because my dad wants me to and oh my god i know as i was reading that i was like oh damn it is you <laughs> okay jillian's having a breakdown <laughs> having a conniption <laughs> oh my god Okay. okay. Well. So that was a little bit revealing. Um, okay, let's look at you. So I'm a middle child, but mm-hmm. I'm a little weird, and we can get to that. Um, so the middle children are always, like, miss, like the wild card because we don't have a well-defined role. I would say you're a wild card. No, thanks. I think. Um, so they've got more, we've got more flexibility, We can, but we can struggle with our sense of identity and belonging. Okay, that is true. Um, and then... Middle children are more likely to go outside the family for connections and more likely to move away from home in adulthood. I would say that's also true for me, though. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely the most likely of my siblings to go farther away currently. Yeah. Like, you would definitely be the only one, I think, who would be fine with moving to the West Coast now. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, also, there's this quote. This is, although middles are neglected, both by parents and researchers, they actually benefit from this in the long run. They become more independent, think outside the box, feel less pressure to conform, and are more empathetic. That's literally you. All I can say is, like, benefiting from neglect is, I want that to be my brand. I want to, like, put that in my Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> put that on my tombstone. <laughs> 
I benefited from neglect. My mom would be very offended at the suggestion that she ever neglected me because she definitely didn't, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) And let's look at youngest children. Yeah, so we can think about our little sisters for this Mm -hmm. one. Um, Can be viewed as the weakest in the family and the mother can overcompensate, making extra efforts to bolster them. Yes. Calling them their baby. That's true. Um, The youngest may grow up to be over-dedicated to the family, using the act of giving as a pathway to love. That's not my sister. I feel like my sister is not overly dedicated to me. Although, I don't know. My sister doesn't give me anything. She doesn't give me anything. Is that what I... Yeah. (laughs) She gives me Ajita. That's what she gives me. (laughs) Just kidding, Kristen. Love you. My sister and I have a great Snapchat streak, though. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So do me and my sister. One time I texted her very angrily, and I was like, if you break our streak, I'm never talking to you again. I've had a streak with my sister since the day I got Snapchat, which is like a couple hundred days ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um... But younger children can develop an I'll-show-them attitude, which is both a weakness and a strength, the desire to stand out and break free. That was literally what my sister's college essay was about. Wanting to stand out and break free? Yeah, she, like, wrote about... So, tangent. So, basically, my sister is applying to college, and she was like, oh, like, um, I just finished my college essay. Like, can I just send it to you, and you can tell me what you think? And I was like, yeah, sure, just email it to me. And she was like, okay, like... Um, I, I like, you're in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I, she was like, I mentioned you in it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like fine, whatever. And so I was just going to expect like a shout out at the end, but like she, her whole like arc of her story is that, um, she, she's also adopted like I was, but we're not biologically related, but her whole like thing in the beginning was that, um, being adopted is hard, but then being adopted into a family where like your sister is like really into school and like does all these things is just like super intimidating and makes it harder. And like she felt like she had to stand out more in order to like appease my parents. And I was just like reading this and I like almost started crying. And I was just like, you said you mentioned me. You didn't say like I was your antithesis. That's so intense. I can't believe she gave that to you to read. Yeah, I know. My sister is not that intense about it but there's also just like at the end they list some things that like younger children are supposed to be like carefree easygoing fun loving affectionate sociable and funny like my sister is not most of those things Mm. um she's definitely not affectionate or sociable same (laughs) like i okay i just want to clarify that like i love my sister more than any any other human in the entire world and will forever um but also like she's kind of mean mm-hmm my yeah. mom would be annoyed if she listened to that. My mom would be very annoyed to, to listen to this whole section, but it's okay because she doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, and my sister, like, is pretty funny, and she, like, thinks she has, like, a great personality, which she does, but I'm just like, who do you think that came from? Like, because your personality definitely didn't come from living with my parents. <laughs> it was from me. I am you. you I am are the source me. of the fun. <laughs> I am the joy in your life. <laughs> but, yeah, um... But on this topic of, like, birth order is that, so I mentioned that I'm kind of weird and that, like, I, some, allegedly, I'm sort of like a middle child, but I also have a lot of, like, this, these, like, relationships and sense of the oldest child because I have an older brother, um, but he has Asperger's, um, or what, in, if he was diagnosed today, he would be diagnosed, like, on, just, like, with autism spectrum disorder, I believe Asperger's is not a diagnosis that's given anymore, um, so he has a mild form of autism and so like our dynamic as a family is just like very different than what normally would be so like when we were kids growing up like i would take the lead for most things Mm -hmm. um 
But at the same time, I was also, like, the peacemaker and the negotiator between my siblings, like, mm-hmm. the way the middle child is supposed to be. I wore many hats as a child. <laughs> it's like, I'm very talented. You know. I'm a chameleon. <laughs> like, my hair. <laughs> yeah. I dyed my hair. Um, so, just so that oh, makes it sense looks, to everyone. Oh, it looks great. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, but it's weird the way that, like, things like that can affect the... That I... I, I even though I make fun of, like, the pseudoscience of these dynamics, there is some truth to that because they're just, like, truths to the way that humans work in relation to each other um, that can work as general rules, not hard and fast, but, you know. Um, but just little things like this can throw it off so easily, and, like, that's something that we never really talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love pseudoscience, by the way. <laughs> you love pseudoscience? Yes. You're really into that? I mean, I also like real science, but I understand pseudoscience better. Mm-hmm. What shape is the Earth in, Cillian? <laughs> don't need this in my life (laughs) did you know there's a church called the church or the religion of the flying spaghetti man the flying spaghetti monster yes that oh no i'm very versed in the flying spaghetti monster fun fact my facebook profile says that my religion is pastafarian it said that since i was like in eighth grade and i just never changed it because are those people who believe in the flying yeah pastafarian like so you believe in the flying spaghetti monster the flying church of the flying spaghetti monster is like half satire um, against it's like satire of traditional organized religion, mostly Christianity, mostly but it's Catholicism, also like, probably mostly Catholicism, honestly. But it's also like a little bit serious. It's this whole thing about like the flying spaghetti monster made the world, and like our DNA is in his image of his noodly appendages. <laughs> that's a direct quote. That's so much noodly appendages. <laughs> but anyway, you may have noticed this topic has no point. But give us a break. We talked about gun control and abortion. <laughs> yeah. And also, we've talked about the Kardashians and Taylor Swift for the past few weeks, so... Yeah, nothing that has to happen in the last 10 minutes of this podcast ever has to have a point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Agreed. And that's where we're going to end for today. So, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at MixedFeelingsFM. You can also find us at Relay.FM slash MixedFeelings, where you can see our show notes. Um, There's also a contact form there. You can send us an email. You can also find us in the Apple Podcast Store, where you can leave us a review if you want to. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs>